Blog Talk Radio. We are so excited to have you listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show. Please call, text, or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash NABWIC or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow us by liking our page and post your questions or comments. NABWIC's intent is to always go into the high schools and colleges to encourage our young black girls and women to enter into the construction industry and to take interest into the STEM programs that are offered. We encourage you to listen to this show or past shows on the Internet by logging in at www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C. Thank you, and we're back. This is Nat with Political Speaking, and your host is Tina McClinton. My host is Carol Ransom. How are you doing today, Ms. Ransom? Hey, I'm so glad to be here, Katina. I am so very excited about this opportunity, and I really do thank you for having me on the show with you today. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. So today we're going to go into talking about the Florida Constitutional Amendment 1 through 12. And we just want to give some informational dialogue and have, dialogue and have a conversation with you guys to let you know what's on the ballot for November 6th, our general election. And I'm just going to yeah. read a little tidbit from the Miami, Miami Herald on why this is a critical period and to vote for voting for our general election while everyone needs to vote for this is a local election. When Florida residents head to the ballot box in November, they will encounter a list of candidates asking for their vote for seats in the state house to the U.S. Among among those choices they may make will also be one of the biggest and the longest list of proposed constitutional changes in decades, from betting on dog races to implementing a ban of public official lobbying for six years after they leave office. The 12 constitutional amendments on this year's ballot are the most since 1998. When the state's Constitution Revision Commission, which meets once every 20 years, put nine of the 13 amendments on the ballot. The Constitution Revision Commission convened this year and placed eight amendments on the ballot. In some cases, measures have been grouped together, meaning voters will have to choose to approve or reject disparate proposals that have been linked in one amendment. So that's why we want to come here today and tell you what the read the amendment and what the amendment means. Yeah, you know, because and you know, one of the things that happens when I'm inside the little voting booth, and again, we do want to reiterate that the general election is going to take place November 6th, um, early vote and vote by mail. Are those who have already started. But one of the things I'm noticing 
when I get inside to vote is there's a lot of amendments to read. And sometimes the language that they use in these amendments, I have no idea what they are talking about. It's like I go to work, I work all day, I focus, I'm tired, I drive to the ballot box, and here it is. I got all the stuff I need to read through. It is so very confusing. So I think you highlighting and your desire to make sure that the public is clear that all of our voters, and we want to thank them for joining us this evening, are very clear um, exactly what these guys are saying, whoever it was that wrote it, and what they're asking you to support or not to support. So this is a very good reason for the show today. Just hoping that the audience is going to get the greater benefit from it. So I want to thank you personally for having this issue on the show because I have no idea what I'm reading sometimes. The words just start to merge together. Then it just start to run together. So this is a really great idea. Yes. So we're just going to go right in it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read Amendment 1. Amendment 1, it says, is to increase homestead property tax exemption would raise the portion of a home's value that can be exempt from non-school property taxes. The legislator voted to refer the exemption to the ballot in 2017, and the proposed changes would apply to the assets value of the homestead property between 100000 and 125000 raising the maximum exemption to 75000 Now, what does that mean? Hmm. This ship this is- saved homeowners a couple of hundred dollars, but a legislative staff analyst estimated local governments, which rely on property taxes for revenue, would lose about $655 million in the first year if the exemption effect area first is approved. You own a home and you vote yes for this. What does that mean for our upcoming taxes for our future of home ownership? Okay, um, and this is a really this is a really great question because um, what I I think when I interpret this information, what they are saying is that the home homestead exemption used to be at the maximum rate of seventy five thousand dollars and they want to increase it so if you have um um if you have one of the lower end properties let's just say for example your home um home is only valued at eighty thousand dollars i don't know um then you wouldn't you would no longer be able to claim this homestead exemption because now they're raising the bar so it looks like some people are not going to be able to continue to qualify for the exemption with the amendment number one. Correct. What is that? Yes, but if you if you go more in depth to what it says at the end of it, they would you lose about six hundred and forty-five million dollars in the first year of exemption. So that means they're going to be raising our taxes. So that would prompt me, my personal opinion would prompt me to say vote no on this because it's going to raise our taxes in, in, in the end. Um, yeah, it looks like all of those persons who are really in favor of um, having your homestead exemption taxes raised 
would be for this. And if you if you have a small piece of property that doesn't assess that the property appraiser's office did not assess the value at a high rate, then hmm, you may not win on this one. Let's take a look at amendment number two. What does that say? Amendment number two, limitations on property tax assessment. Another property tax proposal referred by the legislator would submit an existing cap on non-homestead property assessment. Such property tax assessments increases have been limited to 10% of the previous year's assessed value since 2008, when another constitutional amendment that capped the increase passed. Limitations on property taxes. Hmm. So again, it looks like people who are at the bottom of the realm are going to lose on that one. And it looks right. like the property appraiser's office is using every every possible process to get more money out of property um, out of property taxes. And so with this uh, cap being moved, it looks like that's going to be real tricky for homeowners and for those persons who own property. So I'm going to read a little, another little snippet of what if, if of you text of it. Proposing is amendment to the state constitution to permanently retain provisions currently in effect, which limit property tax assessment increases for specified non-homestead real property except for school district taxes Tribe, 
and allow for some expansions of casinos. The negotiations have repeatedly broken down at the House, which is more opposed to gambling rejected by the Senate proposal. So I think that they're wanting to make it a voter's right instead of one particular party to move forward whatever decisions that they make. So this one may, be, may have some benefits. You know, um, I'm, when I when I think about the the um, episodic adventures of gambling, just encapsulated, it it seems to me that um, poor people and correct me if I'm wrong, poor people see that as an opportunity to raise themselves up out of a situation that they may have or challenges they may have. And they are, are not always benef- benefactors of the end result or the outcome. And I, I think, I don't, I'm not sure on this one, because what I see is people taking um, monies that maybe should be designated for something else, for gambling. And I'm not sure if, if I'm not saying that voters can't make the right decisions about gambling. I'm not saying that. But I think... I think it should. It's a little bit more involved in this one for me, um, and I don't really have a personal opinion about it either way. I just remember being hoodwinked with that gambling, the lottery um, connected to education that says we were going to get abundance of money fed back into our schools with the lottery, and I haven't heard about that report. I haven't seen the results, so I, I'm thinking sometimes they. This is a little bit tricky area when it comes to casino gambling, lotteries, and monies of that sort. What are your what are your thoughts, Katina? I'm with you with this one. I'm just gonna hopefully hopefully when I go to the polls on November sixth, make sure I uh, do my research and make the best choice. Okay, great. I'm gonna, yes, I'm gonna read this and I know we're big supporters of this one. Amendment four voting Restoration Amendment, another petition-drive amendment would restore voting rights to former felons if they have served their time with the expectation of those who have committed crimes like murder, murder or sex offenses. For the past seven years, the state has required the felons at least wait at least five years after their sentences are complete to apply to regain voting rights. The current process can take a decade or more under the Scott administration, requiring that a state clemency board consider each requesting joint its four years, four meetings a year. In addition to the challenge posed by the amendment, the system is the subject of an ongoing protracted legal battle. The U.S. District Judge Mark Walker in March struck down the vote restoration system for felons is so arbitrary as to be unconstitutional, but the state won a stay of his injunction as an appeal goes to the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Atlanta. Arguments in the legal case were heard in July, but the case is unlikely to be resolved before voters cast their ballots in November. It was passed about 1.5 million people affected. That is a lot of people. And you know what? Um, I heard the statistics, and I, I got this from a pamphlet, 
that was put out by Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. And it says that one in, ten, one in every 10 of all Floridians are affected by this. And they were saying how much of a positive impact this is going to have because it says that Florida has the highest rate of disenfranchisement in the nation. Wow. So we are, you know, we're remarkable. But you know what I know? I know that the system is broken. We've had continuous, can, we see time and time again where we know that this system is broken. And I think what happens when we vote yes on Amendment 4, that um, it fixes one part or portion of it. You know, one out of four states don't agree. One, uh, it's only four states in a whole 50 bundle that don't that have not given felons their rights. So I think it's time that Florida let go of Jim Crow, let go of um, some of the other systems that keep us divided rather than bringing us together and allow people to vote. Hey, they said when a debt is paid, it's paid. I've never had the mortgage come back after I pay for the house and say, hey, you need to give us one more extra payment. And when I buy a pair of shoes, gorgeous shoes, of course, I don't pay for them, leave the store, and they call me back and say, well, hey, Miss Carol, you need to bring us another payment over here. So I, I kind of follow that philosophy. What do you talk about, Katrina? They did their time. They did their time. So why should they have to suffer of not be able to exercise their rights. So if they did their time, they made society aware that they're back to society and doing better, so why not give them their rights back? So yeah. this one, I'm voting this all day on this one. And I hope yeah. that when you suppose everybody that votes, that needs to, they need to vote yes, because if your loved one has did what they needed to do to regain their rights back, I think they deserve a chance. Right, and this is this is one of those amendment amendments that creates inclusion and democracy. It increases civil civic engagement, and this is one that definitely will strengthen our communities. Yes, it will. Okay. So number five. Do you mind if I read that one? Yes, go ahead. Amendment five is that supermajority vote required to impose, authorize, or to raise state taxes or fees. Lawmakers added this proposal to require a two-thirds supermajority vote in the legislature to impose, approve, or raise state taxes and fees, meaning more than a third of the legislature must oppose a statewide tax, it would die. So they're saying if more than a third opposes it, it dies. The rest of the amendment came from the CDC and comprised about 20 proposals grounded into eight amendments. Hmm. Supermajority. They're asking for a supermajority vote rather than just a one-person vote. So on this one, they're talking about raising state taxes and fees, and what they're saying that they have to have a supermajority vote required to impose, authorize, or to raise state taxes or fees. A supermajority. That means two-thirds of the legislature has to vote yes. That you can't win by one vote or two votes. What are your thoughts? So my thoughts on this one is basically they're going to raise taxes if this amendment passes. And if, you know, certain people are already already struggling to 
Yeah, I would support. I would. I, I think you're making a good point on that one. Yeah. I think that's a very good point. I think yeah. that's exactly what's going to happen. I, I think, I think most of these that we've covered so far are really dealing with monetary matters, whether it's property taxes with homestead exemption, or it's the legislative legislature raising state taxes. Let's see what number six is about. Amendment 6, rights of crime victims. Judges, the first of the CRC items, please. Three proposals that would create a bill of rights for crime victims and set new requirements for judges. The bill of rights, modeled after Marley's law in California, has the support of major Republican and Democrat lawmakers, but has drawn criticism that the way victims' rights are drawn might flood the justice system with additional responsibilities. The latter two proposals increase minority mandatory to 75 from 70, effective, effective June 1st, 2019, and would bar judges from deferring to administrative agencies' interpretations of a rule or a statute when ruling in cases involve those laws. Hmm. So this one is about taking the judge to retire at uh, 75 down to 70. Um, that's not, this is not a monetary um, oh, good. A monetary amendment. It's something to do with certain bills. Let me read this. It says rights of crime victims. Let me read the bill of the crime victims to get a better perspective on this. It sure creates, is. Creates constitutional rights of victims of crime requires court to facilitate Authorized victims to enforce their rights throughout criminal and juvenile justice processes. Requires judges and hearing officers to independently interpret statutes and rules rather than deferring government agencies in interpretation. Raises mandatory retirement age of state justices and judges from 70 to 75 years. Deletes authorizations to complete the judicial term if one half of the term has been served by. about competency How come? <laughs> this one just it has me puzzled because when I think about a 70 year old person right so they want to move it from 70 to 75 and I'm Correct. thinking about um, judgment because they're saying that a judge is going to make a decisions about crime victims and, and they're setting a new requirement for the judge well, he number one, he wants to raise his retirement age from seventy to seventy-five, and I'm not sure how competent is a judge at seventy-five. I mean, when you reach the age of seventy, uh, what about your thinking and thought processes? Is that basically about the same at seventy-five as you are at seventy? For a lot of people, I would say no. I think the difference in that five-year gap. I mean, 
at 70. I mean, Social Security pretty much is based at age, what, 62 or 65? When the person can start, you know, basic regular retirement. So we're moving the judge back five more years. Is he competent? (laughs) Is he competent at 75? Is he just as competent at 75 as he is at 70? Yeah, I think that would be on a case-to-case basis. What uh, you know, what how their career career is going and how their life is going. If they're still be able to do certain things at that time, if, if, at the age of um, to move forward. I would agree with you on that one. Yeah. So Amendment Seven, Seven, you can read that one for us. Sure. Amendment Seven, first responder and military member survivor benefits, public college and universities. Three more proposals in one provide, number one, provide college tuition for the survivors of the first responder and military members killed on, killed on duty requiring university trustees to agree by a two-thirds supermajority to raise, to raise college fees not including tuition, and establish the state college system in the Florida Constitution. So what they're saying is providing college tuition for survivors of first responders and military members killed on duty, requiring university trustees to agree by a two-thirds supermajority to raise college fees and establish the state college system in the Florida majority. I think that would be a a good thing, even though that's taxpayers' money. um, You know, their parents were, you know, died in doing duties for America, and maybe they didn't have the chance or didn't have the upbringing. It just depends on where they're at and what happened, I mean, what time it ha- happened in their life to be able to um, move forward and go to college to give them more benefits. I'm a little baffled on this because I believe two years of college ought to be free for everybody anyway. I well, just, I, I do believe that as well, but since that we, it's not free, so. Yeah, I think we, one, I think. I think this one we we should open some doors for, um, but I don't know if putting all three of these together was a really great idea for the person who initiated this amendment. Like I would agree with the first part of it, of course. That's the part that you mentioned, but to have that super super vote, the super majority, in order to raise college fees, I'm not sure if I would agree with that, and I'm not positive that I would agree with establishing state colleges in the Florida Constitution. Those are the two that I'm not really positive about. So maybe someone in our audience may want to chime in, let us know how you feel about these amendments as we continue on. Katina, you want to take number eight? Yes, so 
number eight was scratched on the ballot. I'm going to read it, but we're going to move on to number nine. But uh, number eight was school board term limits and duties public schools was struck from the ballot by the state Supreme Court on September 7th. So we really don't have to go over that one because it was struck in the opposite of it. But we'll go ahead and go to Amendment 9. Amendment 9 prohibits offshore oil and gas drilling, prohibits vaping in enclosed indoor workplaces, would teaser a ban on oil and gas drilling in state-owned waters with a proposal to add vaping to the ban on smoking indoors. They have all two a bundle together, offshore drilling, uh, I'm sorry, offshore oil and gas drilling, and then prohibiting vaping and alcohol workplaces. Why are those two together? I'm not sure, but we're going to see. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they bundle these up to confuse us, and that's what I think. Tina, do you know what vaping is? Is that... Is that the electronic yes, cigarette? Yes, that's the electronic cigarette. Yes, it is. Okay, okay. Okay. So you can give your thoughts on it. Okay. Um, I don't like offshore drilling. I think that incident with BP oil was a total catastrophe as far as the environment. I think that the state of Florida, because the majority of the revenue that's generated for this state is tourism, I think we need to practice keeping our environment safe and clean for the wildlife and for the people who visit here. I think that has to be a priority for Florida. That's what brings dollars into this state. And I think we need to keep that as our primary focus, that gas and oil be someone else's priority in a different state altogether. I think we need to, we need to be mindful of what incidents or accidents can be incurred when we practice something other than keeping our beaches safe and clean, because that's what we're promoting. Hello, we're the Sunshine State. Who wants to come here and look out and get some offshore drilling stuff out in the Gulf? That's not what I would go to Florida for. What do you think, Katina? You have some very, very valid points. That we Florida is uh, a beach state. We they come to enjoy our state for the beaches, the Sunshine State. So I do agree. What do you think about that vaping indoors? What do you think about that? Well, I don't vape, so I, I would, um, I don't know. <laughs> For me, it would be a, a no. So. Yeah. I think I think we minimize risk when we keep all of that stuff some outside somewhere. We don't have any evidence that says, is that harmful to the rest of us? Like we years and years ago, we had no evidence that said secondhand smoke was a problem. Now we know it is. And I think we don't want to put ourselves in a position where years from now, they find out, well, the secondhand smoke from vaping was really what killed you. <laughs> so I think right. uh, let's get all outside. Yes, keep it out, outdoors. Yes. So Amendment 10 states that, State and local government structures and operation would link four proposals. One, to have the state legislative session start in January rather than March. In even number years, the legislature 
currently changes its date by statute that would create a counterterrorism office and make the State Veterans Affairs Department constitutionally required in a proposal that would require five county-level offices to be elected. All the county positions, including tax collectors, property appraisers, supervisor of elections, and clerk of clerk at courts, are already elected in many counties, but the Office of Sheriff Singles out Miami Dade, which is the only county does not have elect not elect a sheriff and instead has an appointed police director. Mm -hmm. So that's four four proposals in one to do a different operational uh, of the state and local. I think I think for me the part um, and I'm not sure, again, continue, you hit the nail on the head when you say they link these amendments together, the proposals together, and I think that's what's going to kill, that's what's going to kill the amendment for me, because you're not providing enough information about some of this. I do understand that you want to have a sheriff in Miami-Dade. That makes all the sense in the world. Starting the legislature a little bit before time, that sounds practical for me too. But you didn't provide enough information, and I'm speaking about whoever wrote this. It says create a counter-terrorism office. What in the world is that? What exactly do they mean by that? What, uh, so that one part or portion of this proposal will cut this off for me. This would create a no for me because who exactly are you talking about? When you say counterterrorism, are you speaking about organizations such as skinheads or uh, who are you talking about exactly? What exactly? And I'm not pointing that particular group out, but I'm just wondering what exactly do you mean with that one? So for me, this is very obscured. What are your thoughts? Well, it's, it's because they link, they try to link these all together. You have an opinion about one proposal, then the other proposal is like, wait a minute. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's what would, would tell me to, to vote no on this because it's, it's four things linked in one, and you don't agree with all four. Yeah, it's like throwing with up that, a red on that. Right, exactly. With that, yeah. I'm going to move to Amendment 11, property rights. Okay. Removal of obsolete provisions and criminal statutes. Removes discriminatory language related to real property rights. Removes obsolete language repealed by voters. Delete provisions that amendment of a criminal statute would not affect prosecution or penalties for a crime committed before the amendment. Retains current provisions allowing prosecution of a crime committed before the repeal of a criminal statute. Hmm. They put things together. Property rights. Yeah, property rights, obsolete provision, and criminal statutes. Those three are linked together. What does all three have to do with each other? Hmm. So what part of this looks like they're saying is that you don't even have to be a citizen to own this country. Because they said they want to stop where it says alien and eligible for citizenship from owning property. So that means you can be an illegal alien and own property in the United States. 
they also endorsing what it looks like here, high-speed rail system, which we voted no on that the last time it was on the ballot. We, we voted no for that. Um, the part that really throws me off is, do we want people who are not citizens of this country to own the country? I mean, I don't understand. Why would, okay, let's say like Russians who are not citizens would own the couple of houses down the block. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm thinking that people already that does doesn't live or owns a part of America anyway. So that part, um, I'm a little baffled about. So what you're saying is they're already doing it. They're just doing it in a, in a subliminal manner. But what this Correct. amendment says is they want to do it outright, out front in your face. Yeah, that's what it's saying. Yeah. Let's see what number 12 says. Number 12, lobbying in the use of office by public officers. A standalone proposal would bar public officials from lobbying both during their terms and for six years following and restrict current public officers from using their office for personal gain. Ooh. So this is about lobbying and abuse of office by public officers. So they can't lobby for themselves while they're in office. So let me read this little snippet here. Explain. It spans current restrictions on lobbying for compensations by former public officers, creates restrictions on lobbying for compensations by serving public officers and former judges and justices providing exceptions prohibits abuse of a public position by the public officers and employees to obtain a personal benefit. So it's the reason why they put this amendment in here because somebody is already abusing it, it and they want to stop it for a personal gain. And you know what I love about this amendment? It is a single issue amendment. Hello. Yes. It's like only dealing with one thing right here. At least they wrote it so plain and simple so that you know exactly what they want you to do. They want you to, they want people who are lobbyists or public officials, they cannot benefit from personal gains. They want restrictions put in place so that they cannot benefit from personal gains. It sounds like a win-win for the people. What do you think? Yeah, what are your thoughts? I, I think it does as well. Now I, I we're to the end of Amendment yeah, 13. In dog racing is also a single proposal. It would end commercial dog racing involving wagering by 2020. There are about a dozen tracks in Florida, and the practice has drawn criticism from animal rights advocates who assert that the practice is inhumane. The Florida Greyhound Association has sued seeking to be to remove the amendment from the ballot. So they want to end dog racing. It's a, it's been entertaining for years. What what are your it's, thoughts? Well, it, up to me, it's, it's been it has been entertainment for years. That's how that's another form of of gambling, of course, and um, 
now that so many people have um, have, have been ag- advocates for animals' rights, this is why this amendment is on here because um, they want to. They don't want the dog racing anymore. You know, this is going to be very interesting to see how these amendments come out in the vote. Um, yes. I, I remember being a little girl and my stepfather, he would take a, he would take me to the dog races because kids could come. Yeah. They had, um, yeah, it was something, it was something he did. He gambled. Um, and so um, that was part of, I guess what we did, hey, you took me to the wrestling match and you took me to the dog track. What am I saying here? Um, I think it is a borderline issue. I'm, I'm going to be very interested to find out how people vote. Um, most of these, again, you know, in summary, are about dollars for the state, and it takes money out of the pocket of the people, and it puts it in the hand of our government. So we're going to be following this up to find out how people really feel about this. And um, then we have the one that cares for environment, such as the one about oil rigging for gas and for gas and oil. Then we have the one, how do we care about ourselves and cancer with vapor? And then we have the one about the dog treatment. Of course, lots of ones for property owners to, lots lots of things for property owners to think about. And then we have the one about how do we care for people in our community? And do we allow a disenfranchised person when a debt is paid is paid the opportunity to vote? What are your thoughts, Katina, as we close? My closing remarks would be November 6th is so important on this year's general election because this is the 20 years that these, this is why these amendments are on the ballot because the 20, this is what they went and did in September to put these ballots on the vote, on the ballot so people can vote on these amendments. But we all have to do our own little part and do our own research to make sure we know what we're voting for. But we're just here as with Political Speaking to share with you the amendment so you'll have a, have a better view on what you are voting for. And remember to vote on November 6th and make your voice count. This is what our, our ancestors fought for us to get out and make our voices count and yeah. make them heard. You are so Thank right. You. If you and if you can, try to vote early. Get out there, encourage somebody, take somebody to the poll with you, encourage other people, call them, ask about accountability. Have you voted? Are you voting? What's going on? Haven't you gone yet? Hey, try early vote. So in case there is a problem with your name or you haven't registered or somehow you fell off, you'll know early before that deadline. This is so very important to our community. Yeah, so there you have it, amendments 1 through 12. I mean, sorry, excuse me, 1 through 13 with amendment 8 being struck and off the amendment list. Do your research, and I hope you have a great morning. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye now. This concludes our show. Thank you for listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction. For more information about NABWIC and our membership, please visit us on the web at www.nabwic.org. We are the voice of black women in construction. 
Have a great and prosperous day.